Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Come on, let's do this for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, that's, that's cute, but we need a little bit more. Come on, let's worship Jesus in here. Don't get it twisted. I come, I come to worship Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. Well, it is good to be gathered here. Psalm 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks and bless his name. Two times in verse one, it, uh, in that verse, it talks about giving thanks. And uh, I don't know anybody else. This is great. It's perfect. I don't know anybody else worthy of the praise like Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're doing what you call a backward service. We're calling it a piff rewind where we're kind of bringing everything backwards where I'm going to preach at the top end. And I promise you, I'm going to preach uh, quickly because I want to get in and out of the way. Uh, just a couple of things for you to note as, um, as this is a little different for us. After I get done preaching, the stage will stay empty. We will not, we will not, we will not mount the stage again. Uh, because we want Jesus Christ to take central stage. And in essence, what we're doing is we're the opening acts. We are preparing the way for the main thing. And Jesus Christ is the main thing. How many know he's the main thing? It's the central. And so I'm, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to jump in. I'm going to preach half of the time I normally preach because I want to get us into uh, a spirit of worship. And do me a favor, like leave the cute stuff outside. That, that church stuff, that church face, let's leave that all outside. And, you know, I know the seats are tight. I know, you know, it's, you know, it's not, not enough room in here, but uh, let's worship Jesus together. We all family. Look at somebody and say, I'm happy to see you. Look at somebody else and say, we sit next to each other, so I hope you brush your teeth today. Because I'm going to smell it if you didn't. Father, I thank you, oh God, for, I thank, I thank you for this room. Thank you for first service, oh God. We got to get in and worship you. Father, whatever posture we take in worship, oh God, may you receive our praise. Father, I want to invite the room, oh God, to kneel if they want to kneel. Stand if they want to stand. Sit if they want to sit. Lay down if they want to lay down. Run around if they want to run around. Father, we want to make sure that you get the glory. The only thing I ask, oh God, is that you would remove us from being glory thieves. May we not steal a drop of your glory. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto your name get the glory. And so, Father, would you get praise today from all of us? Pray for the one that usually comes in and just meditates. Just reads words. Father, I pray, oh God, that our thanksgiving to you would become expressive today. Because you're the only one worthy of that type of praise. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let everybody say amen. Well, earlier this week, we gathered with family and friends. And uh, Josh, I'm good, baby. We gathered with, with family and friends. And uh, some of y'all went out of town. Some of y'all had family members come over into town. And I don't know how your family does. Ed and Tisha are back, by the way. Can we thank God? I love them. Uh, I know some families that, that, you know, sit around the table and before they even break bread and eat, they start to talk about the things that they are thankful for. 
And most of the times you hear things like, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for family members, I'm thankful for friends, I'm thankful uh, for a job. And sometimes it's reflective as well. You think back to um, how good God's been through the year, or some of you think back to, at least I do, uh, loved ones that were with us last Thanksgiving that are not with us this year. Uh, some of us audibly thank God for uh, the food we're about to eat. It's something about when that macaroni and cheese touches them yams. That's like heaven on earth. So before you eat that, we usually go up in a praise. Uh, but, <laughs> but today what I want to do is I, I want to kind of reverse that. I, I want to make sure that we're not thanking God for superficial stuff, for temporary stuff. Yes, like praise God you got a promotion. That's, that's dope. Praise God. Praise God you got good health. Praise God. But I, I really want to praise God for who he is, not for the stuff that he does. And what I love is if you can grab your Bibles and get to Psalm 113, the entire chapter, Psalm 113. If y'all are coming for seats, y'all come all the way around. We got some over here, some up here. Psalm 113 is, a, is, a, is, a, is an interesting psalm because the psalmist, which we don't know who, hit, who wrote it, but the psalmist is very clear from the door that praising God, worshiping God, giving thanks to God, which shows up in the text as praise, is primary. In fact, look how he starts off in, this is Psalm 113, look at verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Three times in verse 1, the psalmist calls us, not a suggestion, but commands us to praise the Lord. Did you notice that? Three times, praise the Lord, praise those servants of the Lord. He keeps talking about praise, and I would argue that praising God and worshiping God and giving thanks to God is not just the central focus of verse 1, but it is the central fo focus of the entire chapter. How do I know that? Because verse 1 starts out with praise the Lord. Look how it ends in verse number 9. Praise the Lord. So it is the central theme of what this is what writers or theologians would call the melodic line. This is this is the writer trying to get it across to you that the focus of this verse and the focus of the, his point is to praise God. But I would also argue more broadly than that, the focus of praising God is not just Psalm 113, verse one and verse nine, but it's all of the book of Psalm. In fact, you read through the book of Psalm, get to the Psalm 100s. I mean, it's nothing but thanking God and singing loud and praising God and, and giving things over and over again. It's talking about praising God. In fact, it ends if you get to Psalm 150. It says, let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. And so over and over again, psalmists are calling us and inviting us to praise the Lord. And I love this idea of praise because the, the, the uh, original language of the Old Testament was Hebrew and praise here in Hebrew is the word halal. Somebody say halal. Put a little spit on it and say halal. So halal literally means boasting. But it does not just mean boasting. Halal also means crazy or madness. Do you realize that your praise is not supposed to just simply be, be meditative? Do you realize your praise is not simply supposed to be contemplative? You know, I just sit and I meditate and I read the word of God and that's all good. But at some point you think long enough, it should move from just meditation to expressive worship. That is halal. That is craziness or madness. And one of the most frustrating thing, parts of uh, that, that and I find with millennial Christians is we're too cool to praise God. We, like, we, we, you know, I just want to get my coffee. 
I just want to put my cut ups on and come to church and I want to sit in a little circle and worship. I don't really, really want to give. But last night you was turning up. You was in the club, all that. You was rocking and, you know, you was doing the wobble. And why is it that we give the world the crazy you, but you come in church and you just say it don't take all of that? No, it takes more than what I'm actually giving. And we look at the person funny that runs around. We look at the person funny that drops to their knees, that immediately starts crying. We be like, what's wrong with them? Why are they so emotional? Do you know the God I serve? Do you know the stuff he's kept me from? And so I, I can't help but to praise him. He says, halal. Three times, halal, halal. He says craziness or madness. And so verse one is very clear that we should praise God. But the question then is, when should we praise him? When should we worship him? Verse one tells you that you should do it. Verse two tells you when to do it. Look at what verse two says. It says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In other words, there's never a moment that God isn't worthy of my praise. Therefore, there's never a moment where I should not praise God. I can't think of a time. I know you came in here and this has been a hard year. Anybody just had a hard year? It's been, it's been can you be honest in here? It's been rough. But even in the roughness of the year, God is still worthy of the praise. And so the, 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 the verse tells me when I should praise him from this time forth and forevermore. That means their circumstances don't sway my praise. Some of y'all are situational Christians. You can only praise God when he's given you stuff. And if you can only praise God when he's given you stuff, it is not God you serve. It is a bellhop boy. That is who you serve. If you can only say, blessed be the name when he gives. Job says, blessed be the name of God who gives and takes away. See, this is why I'm so happy to see Ed and Tisha here today. I'm so happy to see them here today because do you know how hard the last few weeks have been for them? But when you talk to them, all you hear is halal. When you talk to them, circumstances don't sway their praise. The problem with us is we, we, we can only praise God when I get around the saints, but real praisers realize there's not a time that I can't praise God. He says here in verse number two, from this time forth and forevermore, that means whether I got money in the bank or not, he's worthy. Whether you get that promotion or not, he's worthy. Whether you got good health or not, he's worthy. Whether you got a boo or not, he's worthy. Because circumstances don't sway by praise. Because I don't praise God for the stuff that he gives. You know, that, that's one of the things I love about Christianity is that in Christianity, you get Jesus and he's enough. Yeah. Christianity is not Jesus plus stuff. The stuff is fleeting. Christianity is you get Jesus and you are satisfied in him and him alone. So verse number one says that you should praise him three times. It tells you to praise the Lord. Verse number two says when you should praise him. It says from this time forth and forevermore. And verse number three says where you should praise the Lord. Now, if you're not careful, you'll confuse verse two and three. Stay with me. Verse three says from the rising of the sun to the setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Many have confused the rising of the sun to the setting, meaning that he's still talking about time because the way we get time is from the sun rising and setting. But that is not what the psalmist is talking about. He is not talking about time. He's talking location. How do I know that? Because the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. 
So the psalmist is saying, praise God from east. Everywhere is what he's saying. You should, there's not a place on earth that God should not get your praise. You could be in the middle of the woods in isolation with nobody around you and offer up a praise to God. But you could also be in the middle of Midtown at the Macy's Day Parade and offer up God a praise because there's not a place that you can't praise God. And let me tell you something about praising God everywhere. It'll keep you out of trouble. See, you got to be able to worship God when you go to your boo house and nobody else is there. When he approaching and he pushing up and he trying to cuddle up, it was just supposed to be movie night and Netflix and chill. But somehow he slipped his arm around you. You got to slip on some Kirk Franklin and say, uh, uh, baby. Worship. I can you, you got to quote verse three. I can worship everywhere. When she looking good and I know she look good. I know she fine. When she looking good, you got to be able to say, let me get some Fred Hammond somewhere close to me. And be able to worship the Lord. Why? Because there's not a place in the world that I can't worship God. Have you ever been at your cubicle and you were sitting there and you started to think back to some stuff God did and you had to go to the bathroom like this? You know you churchy when you go like this. Like this make you invisible. You go to the bathroom and you offer up a praise to God. Why? Because verse three, from the rising of the sun to its setting, I can pray. Have you ever been sitting on the platform waiting for the train? And you were worshiping and the train came. You said, I can't get on this one yet because everybody gonna think I'm crazy. So I'm going to sit here on the platform and worship God. Have you ever been driving? You thought about something and had to pull the car over and offer up a praise to God from the rising of the sun. You ain't lived long enough until you cleaned the house and was sweeping and thought about something God did and went into worship. Why? Because everywhere God should get the worship. Verse one tells me that I should praise him. Verse two tells me when I should praise him. Verse three tells me where I should praise him. And the reason that you haven't said anything yet, and the reason you're still sitting with your arms folded and your legs crossed is because you don't know who you're worshiping yet. So you don't, when you realize who we're worshiping, where you worship doesn't matter. When you realize who you are worshiping, the time you worship doesn't matter. Now, what I love about the psalmist is in verse one through three, he was telling me that I should praise him, where I should praise him and when I should praise him. But the rest of the chapter, verses four through nine, he tells you who you are praising. And he does it. I mean, in a dope way, the first four words of verse four says it all. The Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens? And the earth and he raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her a joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Verses four through nine just told me that the God that I am worshiping and the God that I am giving a praise to is big, is massive is huge, but he's not so big that he's disconnected from creation. He also digs down to the poor and the needy. Do you realize how big God is? This verse just literally says that God, the God in heaven, is the creator of the universe, and he's so big, he sits up and he looks down on the nations. Now, that's not big enough for you yet. It also just said that he's not in heaven. Did you read this? 
that he's looking down on the heavens. See, you can't even imagine that. Like, when you, have, you ever, have you ever went outside, not in Brooklyn because it's too much smog. Have you ever went outside on a clear night and you was, just looked up and you just saw stars? Nobody feels big in that moment. Nobody feels like I can jump up and move a star out the way. Have you ever been at the, at the beach and you look at the vastness and the big, huge, uh, massive nature of the ocean and you sat there and thought to yourself, I'm so minute right now. Nobody feels like they could pick the water up and move it to a certain place. But that is, see, the, the ocean that you feel small to and the stars that you can't reach, God ain't sitting in the stars. He's sitting above them. And if I understand Psalms 147 right, it tells me that he named the stars. See, this is the massive nature of God. But he, I love him because he does not treat creation like a cosmic wind-up clock. He doesn't sit and wind it up and just say, y'all keep running. I'm too big for y'all. No, he gets close. How do I know he gets close? Because the verse just said in verse seven, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. Well, what that basically is saying is that God didn't feel so big that he was disconnected from you. He decided to come down and dwell with you. And I would argue that the worst type of poverty is not a financial poverty. The worst type of poverty is a spiritual poverty. But what I love is the verse just said that even if you walked in here and you are spiritually poor, meaning you don't know Jesus Christ, you got to understand something about Jesus. The Bible tells me that even though he was rich, he became poor so that you might become rich. So the, the, the God that was uh, up in heaven and sitting above heaven and looking down decided to put on flesh, come down, dwell amongst you, and lift you up from the ash heap. You got to understand something. Ash heap is dirt. Can you imagine? I dare you to try to lift somebody up from the dirt and you not get dirty. You can't lift somebody up from the dirt and you not get, if you really are helping them. I, I remember one time my mother bought me some, y'all don't know nothing about these, British Knights, BKs. Anybody have BKs? Listen, I had some black, gold, and white ones, and, and they were so fresh when I went to school, I didn't want to crease them, so I walked like this all day. And the, day, the first day I wore them, the first day I wore them, it rained. And it was raining so bad outside, I, I should have, you know, I, I, was, I was in my flesh, I was too vain. I shouldn't have wore them. But I wore the BKs and, and thank God I made it to school and I was okay. The, the, the kicks didn't get messed up. But on the way home, it stopped raining. Praise God. I'm going to walk on the sidewalk and I'm going to go home and wipe them off. And as I'm walking home, I'm walking with my friend. And my friend, I'm trying to be careful to stay on the sidewalk. He gets off the sidewalk and slips into the mud. Now, after laughing, I, I go down and I pick him up because you know we're going to laugh if you fall. I go down and I pick him up and I realize when I helped him out of the dirt, my BKs got dirt all over them. And in a higher and a greater way, that is what Jesus Christ did for you. Jesus Christ came on earth, got dirty so that you could be clean. Not just clean, spotlessly clean. And you got to understand something. The reason you're not worshiping right now is because you don't realize how dirty you were outside of Jesus. Outside of Jesus, I realize I am filthy. The decisions I made have been dysfunctional. There's some stuff that you don't even know I did. And if you knew, you would be like, why is he up there preaching? But God looked down and said, I'm going to send Jesus to handle that. And Jesus stands on the cross, fully dirty, not because he lived a dirty life, but because he took on your dirt and smeared it on himself. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says, it is the blood that washes away my sin. 
See, now what we're about to do is we're about to go into a time of worship. The only reason I'm standing up here is to introduce the main act. The main act is Jesus Christ. And as I said, maybe you just came in for the rest of our time today. The stage will stay empty. Worship leaders will not be up on the stage. The reason we're not getting up on the stage is because Jesus, the lights are here to shine on Jesus who actually needs no light. But we'll leave the stage empty so that we can worship. And I don't know what your position is, your disposition. I really don't. I don't know if you, you really are more meditative. I don't, I don't know if you kneel, if you cry. There, listen, let everything out. Let the chaos of the week outside. And as we are worshiping, I really want you to realize and contemplate how filthy we are outside of Jesus. And every single song will be focused on the centrality and the work of what Jesus Christ accomplished. He raises the poor, lifts the needy from the ash heap. So for the remainder of the service, y'all do me a favor. Listen, there's no break in this worship. We'll collect offering, but offerings worship. You realize that giving is worship. Yeah, we'll take communion. Communion is worship. So if you don't have to check out, if you don't have to leave, listen, y'all vibe with us. Vibe with us. And this isn't a vibe to say, look at me. This is a vibe to say, God, you have been so good. Halal praise to a great God. Father, I thank you for this room. As we transition and dim the lights and move into a time of worship, Father, I pray, oh God, not that you need an invitation, but I pray your presence would be here. You tell us things like you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we actually do know you are here. Psalm 139, if I ascend into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, even there, you are there. So there's not a place that you are not. And so we know you're here. But Father, help us to experience you today. Some of us have had a rough week, an emotional year. We have dysfunction in our relationships and our marriages. Father, would you help us to focus on you today? In the same way that praise the Lord is the book in statements of Psalm 113. May praise hold us together as praise holds Psalm 113 together. Help us to focus on you. Father, I pray for the worship leaders. I pray for Van and the AV team and children. But that we would all worship you. Father, I also pray for those who, who don't know you in here. I'm not naive. I realize that there is somebody in here that just came because they were invited. It's going to be a lounge filled on Sunday. You can come. Thank you that they're here, Lord. We are grateful. Father, we pray that you would present yourself to them in a new and a fresh way today. May the words jump off the screen into our hearts. And when it gets in our hearts, oh God, let us be like David. It's like fire shut up in my bones. I just got to get it out. So Father, I pray, oh God, for you to be central in our worship. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.